Hello everyone and welcome back to Corporatainment. I am here with a phenomenal actor, phenomenal creator, phenomenal video game maker. No, I don't make any video games. Okay, why do I keep thinking this is a video game? I'm terrible. I just want to believe that it's a video game because the concept of like hero's journey to me, I just connect that with video games all the time. I'm sorry. That said, that said, even though I am not a video game creator, I would say that, yeah, eventually one of the goals is to have Diamond Dragons become also a game. Not not because, hey, let's capitalize on it, but yeah, it, it kind of it fits for one thing. And then really the second thing is some of the intentions that I have with building the world of Diamond Dragons, my planner is to film it. And I should put film in air quotes because we're not really going to use real cameras. The idea is to generate everything in a 3D environment. And so if we do that and build it with the Unreal 3D engine, which I've been trying to plan with some of my designers, and most everything exists in this kind of virtual space, well, then we can film the shots the way we want. You can truck the camera, it's called, or boom and jib, which is a, a lifting of the camera, or tilt, which is referred to up and down motion of the camera. If we build it in there, then it's almost like people say, wow, dragons and a fantasy world and castles and, and mountains and canyons and rivers and deserts. This sounds like a great video game. I'm like, yeah, right. I mean, it's not like, oh, we're trying to make um, a video game out of Inception, you know, like Inception is a great film, but I'd be like, I don't know if you could make a competent video game out of it. It would be pretty difficult to kind of, you know, warp that into a game. But with this dragons, you know, everybody could imagine flying as a dragon and uh, landing somewhere and completing some quests and, oh no, there's some enemies and therefore, you know, fire must burn or, or whatever, you know, so it, it could, it could be a thing and still have a, the storyline uh, behind it. So. Sorry, I have to put myself on mute so I don't get any weird sounds from my microphone. I haven't started editing yet, so I don't know what the quality of this is going to be like. <laughs> I'm just muting myself so that the audio sounds as perfect as possible. That's okay. I mean, also, you can always do little experiments like do a fake recording, go and edit it and see what it looks like. Right. Yeah, I understand. Like, right. That's another thing about film and, and generating videos that most people don't think about is the editing process is it can be pretty robust because you're dealing with sound, you're dealing with lighting, you're dealing with what are people saying? Is it interesting? Is it engaging? You know, it really depends on the editing. Right. Yeah. You have all this wealth of knowledge in general. <laughs> You do. So, but, but, but you're more, you, you call yourself like a director. We see Diamond and Dragons and you've had all these different projects that you've worked on and created. Right. What is your most favorite project or creation that you've created and why? I'm not exactly a director in the most um, vanilla and homogenized sense. But yeah, I've directed a lot of my own projects and work with actors and associates and, and like set designers and these kinds of things because. Of all the crazy things that I've done over my past, I've mostly focused on acting and performance and theater and film and singing and, and a lot of things that all relate to storytelling. I was a, uh, a professional fencing instructor for many, many years, and I coached hundreds, if not thousands of students behind the mask. At one point after doing a lot of that, you know, just like one of my buddies, I'm like, you know what I've never seen? And they're like, what's that? I'm like, I've never seen a live Star Wars fight performance of any real substantiality. Like, sure, you've seen two people in costume run up and they're like, ha ha, and do some silliness and run away. And oh, everybody's like, that's so cool. And how neat. 
no one's ever seen it live. And they're like, well, maybe that's because the, the lightsaber prop, I don't think we can build those, can we? This is going back to 2003 and four, the idea of having a electronic prop that could light up and take abuse was extremely rare at the time. Most uh, saber products out even in the corporate world were mostly for display. They were not meant for high level stage combat. And also they were not very bright. So fast forward to, as I started doing more and more projects, I finally put together one of the first ever really live, serious uh, staged performances with a complete, you know, story mm. and sound and music wow. and vocals and staging and all these kinds of things. Were you working for Lyft during all this time as well, too? Like, how were you able to, like, sustain yourself and, and go off into all these things? Oh, yeah. This was a different time in my, my life. I briefly drove for Uber and Lyft in the most recent years, but Uber and Lyft did not exist in um, uh, 2004 and five. So going all the way back there, I did one of my first lightsaber performances uh, that I directed and produced, and I built all the lightsaber props called Balance of Power. And it can be seen on YouTube. So that was a lot of fun. That It was more of a test for me to try that out and see like, is this possible to make something that's competent and also exciting, but not simply cute little demonstration? We wanted the audience to be like, wow, holy cats, like... You know, I think they're going to kill each other, you know, that that kind of, um, you know, mentality behind it. And you have to understand, too, Amora, that this was in a time where YouTube was brand new. In fact, at the time that I was thinking about the project, YouTube didn't exist yet. I basically put out the feelers into the world and I was like, hey, I'm doing this project if you want to audition. At the time, it was even a Craigslist ad, I think, is one of the things that I did. I, mean, I still use Craigslist, you know. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? That, but it was bigger than like Facebook groups. It wasn't like we had Facebook groups and stuff like that on there. You're getting my drift. Yeah. And that's the thing is I'm at one point, YouTube was not a thing, in fact. Yeah, it, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. In fact, I, if, I'm, if, if I recall, it was basically 2005, I think, basically when I started doing this project. So this is the point. So then- one of my cast members, Saya, um, Saya's like, you know, Matthew, you should upload this on YouTube. And I'm like, uh, what the hell is that? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't understand. And she's like, oh, it's this new video platform, Matthew. It's like user content. I listened to her and I said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll upload a few little rehearsal videos and we'll get to this and da, da, da. And then finally we upload the performance video. And then I remember like, literally I like forgot about it, was doing other things. And then She's like, Matthew, you ought to check it. Like a lot of people have seen it. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And I didn't know what she meant by a lot of people, you know? Right, right, so I right, go right. over there and it's like, not, there's not a message saying this, but it's basically like, I'm like, you have 50,000 views. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, really? what happened? Like, I've, I've never even seen 50,000 people ever. Like, what do you mean? What is this thing? And now <laughs> the irony is here in 2021, Everybody would say 50,000 views is nothing. It's that's nobody. Blah, blah. But back then when it was absolutely brand new. That was a big deal. But also what was great about it was the reaction was primarily positive. Like I believe at the time you could do, I don't think it was just thumbs up and thumbs down. I think it was like stars. I think it was stars or, or something. Mm. Wow. It was mostly like, you know, four stars, five stars, four stars, five. So everybody was like, this is amazing. And I love it. And, ooh, this is so nice. And, oh, did he do a backflip? And, you know, and I was like, what is happening? Like, I didn't know that this is, could be a thing, you know, like I had no idea. And so then I just sort of kind of kept going with that. And because they'd ask about how did you build the lightsabers? And I was like, well, now that four, you know, 40 or 50 people <laughs> asked that, I better, maybe I ought to do a video about that. Make a, yeah. Yeah. Make a video about that. 
And so I'm like, here's the saber and this is this and this is that. And I explained a whole bunch of things about it. And that sort of uh, became like a cascading effect of I met new people in the community and then more people were asking this. And then I met this designer in France of all things who was making an electronics board that mm. made custom uh, sounds and, or, or allowed, I should say, it didn't make them, but it allowed for custom sounds and custom controls and lighting configurations for mm. custom saber props. And a big shout out to Irv Plector of Plector Labs. What started in 2005 and six is just a bunch of people doing a few things and da 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 has now become literally a ginormous industry where other companies have popped up custom LED sabers now are, I almost want to say common, and they were not uh, 15 years ago. <laughs> right. Question for you. And this is a question from like sure. the previous person that I was interviewing. Oh, okay. Sure. Do you prefer, I hit my mic, so it might sound weird. Okay. So here we go. Do you prefer getting direction on someone's creativity or being creative yourself and hoping it fits someone else's direction? I understand. Or another way to put that, do you prefer working on a project that someone like micromanages and gives you direction on, or would you rather be left to your own devices? Right. Uh, so th there's a lot to unpack there too. Is so um, okay. when we're talking about any kind of project that is um, larger than yourself, for example, your own personal workout, you don't really need a whole bunch of people involved that you might have your own personal trainer, but you know, or if you're like, I would like to crochet a blanket, you're, you don't really need a bunch of input on that and so on. But if you're like, I'm writing a book, I am making a short performance, I want to do a piece of music, then it, all of it almost by rote becomes a collaborative process. And so when we talk about things like the background that I have, which is in acting and theater and performance and film, all of these things relate not only to collaborative projects, but storytelling. And most of the storytelling has a lot of voices in it. It's pretty rare to have any kind of storytelling where it is only solely the voice of one person. Even if it's a story written by, say, even Edgar Allan Poe, Edgar Allan Poe probably checked in with maybe his own associates and said, hey, uh, have a look at this. What, what do you think? Like, is, is it all right? Like, do you, would you change anything? You know, they're going to ask some questions, I would think. And so what I'm getting at is this is, the director is trying to achieve their vision. An actor, the job is for them to take action on what is being directed of them. A director will say, so in this scene, I really want this and this and this, and I need this, and I think that and the other and the other. And the actor has to be like, okay, okay, I got it. So you want this, like, really this, not this. And they're like, yeah. And you're like, copy that, got it. Okay. And then you try to deliver on that. Same with a director talking to a lighting designer. And they might say, hey, come here, uh, Steven. Okay, so I imagine in this scene, it's really film noir. Like I want to see black lighting and white, but slotted. And it's like, da -na -na. like we want that kind of just so not natural lighting. We want that mysterious. And they'll be like, got you. I, I got you. I, I know what I can do. And then same with costuming. Oh, I, I want so much color in these things, like bigger than life. At least the costumer can go. Okay, cool. So you want wild stuff. None of this subtle pastels, rainbow of colors. Okay. You're always working with people if you're working professionally and also like as a good creative soul. Some people, they gravitate more towards 
building their own projects, possibly. It's sort of like wearing different hats. When I'm an actor, I have my actor hat on and I try to provide only advice or thought process or information and execution that has to do with acting. I'm not going to tell the director how to direct the movie. I'm not going to tell them, hey, we should change the lighting or I don't like that the camera is shooting me from over here and I think we should be like, I, it's just not really any of your business. If someone asks, then you might say, yeah, I don't think this is a good shot for me right now. It's not an appropriate thing for the moment. This shot is too up and up close and personal, but we're not doing something super dramatic. However, a shot like this would be where if it was like, now I want you to take three steps back, put the gun down, and put your hands on your head. You know, like if they needed that shot, that was better to do it than from here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you kind of have to just place yourself in the right role, mm -hmm. understand what your role is and do mm -hmm. it. If you are the leader of a project, right. you better be able to lead. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> if you can't, then you shouldn't be there as the leader. And a lot of times the leader's job or a director's job is to solve problems, pretty much all of them. Again, I know maybe it seems circuitous the way that I'm answering your question, but really what it is, is if I'm an actor on a project, then I need to fulfill those objectives and those objectives only unless people say, oh, Matthew, but I'd also like your advice as a fight co a coordinator. I'm like, okay, that's a different question. Let me put my, take my actor hat off and let's see about fight choreography. And the director pretty much has to kind of understand all the hats to wear. In the case of Diamond Dragons, for example, yeah, I'm the writer, the creator, essentially the director of the project. And uh, so I kind of have to oversee all of it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I, I know that's that a lot ton, to say. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense because it adds context. It's not the same thing every single time. Precisely. Like in general, you know, it, it basically what you were just saying was it depends on where you are in that moment. Like, absolutely. What is your role in that moment? Absolutely. And that's, and that's, that was a really great answer. Now, question for you. Mm -hmm. Sure. What is a question that you might want to ask the next person that I interview? Oh, um, that's a tough one because, again, I wouldn't know the scope. Like, unless you want to tell me, like, oh, well, the next person is a lawyer. They are a doctor. They are an actor. Or, or maybe you don't know. So it's kind of difficult to understand well, what would I ask them. Do you know? And if not, then I, I can still think of something. But do you know? I don't know. <laughs> you don't. Okay. Well, then I would make it more generalistic. What's the kind of advice that they would give, not necessarily their younger selves, but people who are getting involved in whatever it is that they're getting involved, that they've done for their lives or, or they've had success at? What's the kind of advice or thought process they give to someone who's starting, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, in the things that they already know? What's something that they might say? And who knows, maybe it would be something they'd say, oh, avoid this with like the plague because it just doesn't work son don't do it it's bad or if they'd say oh you know actually there was something i started with and i didn't know at the time but it was excellent and i only wish i had done more of it and i didn't because i didn't know any better but now that i've you know been doing it for five years i realized that something i did even when i was starting out was a good idea keep that Ooh, yeah i i can think of stuff like that you know so that, that's 
that's probably how I would cordon off that question. Yeah, that's 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 a really good question, actually. I can't wait to ask the next person that. And yeah, you don't have very much context on the next person, and that's part of the fun. Yeah. This is like a spur of the moment question. It's just it just kind of throws like each interview like kind of like from on a different perspective. It makes people kind of think like interesting, you know. People come up with well, stuff. It's always good to have to think. In fact, that's what I always hated about a lot of things where you'll see conversations out there about politics or something, and people say, Oh, you're probably just a communist. And I'm like, that sounds like an excuse for you just not to have to think. <laughs> you know, I like it when people are forced to consider their words, think about what it is that's being asked of them, and then try to present it in a context that isn't just coming from ego or personal experience. Like, for example, if someone says, oh, that one, I hate that movie. I'd be like, oh, really? Why is that? They're like, ah, I just, I hate elves. Like, okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. So to you, this whole film is just jank and awful because you don't like elves. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's a stupid hmm. movie. And I'm like, oh, okay. okay. Well, <laughs> what? Think a little you know, bit that's a personal opinion, but it's like you are aware that even though you don't like something, something could hold great value. It's always good to know the difference between when you're going like, my personal opinion is this and I don't like it, but I am aware that it's very mm -hmm. you know, astute and powerful and, and a lot of intelligence has been put into this um, project, whatever it is. you know. And how often, I'm sure you've seen that, Amora, right? Where people, they almost voice their opinion as if it's fact. And you're like, eh. I've seen that a lot. They're like, well, I don't know, man. I think the earth is flat. I've seen that more than I would have liked to admit. I've seen and I'd be that. Like, eh, really? Why, why is that? Do you have any direct evidence that it's flat? Because I'm down to, to find out. I would love that because it means I could walk a lot more places. You know what I'm saying? Or, or I don't know. I'm just making it up. That sounds like if I said, well, the moon is made of cheese because I believe it, man. You'd be like, what? You, you, that's not right. <laughs> you know? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, Matthew, to come and speak on my show. Sure. Where can we connect with you and what can we look forward to moving forward regarding your work? Well, thanks again for interviewing me on the show. It's always good to be able to communicate with other artists and see what they're up to and kind of get the feelers out. Essentially, right now, my main goal is working on Diamond Dragons. So as you can see behind me, this is one of the, the not the final draft of the book cover, but um, I've been working with my team of artists. They're a great team of artists to get this cover completed so that I can publish the book version. The screenplay version of Diamond Dragons, I developed that and wrote it in 2018 to 19. So people can find out more about this just by probably searching my name, which is Matthew Carrado. The last name is pretty tough. It's C-A-R-A-U-D-D-O. It's like car, like driving a car. C-A-R, then A-U-D-D-O, because I'm Italian. <laughs> because I'm Italian. A-U on Facebook. It. People can email me, which is uh, diamonddragonstail at gmail.com if they have any questions, something pertinent about the stories. If they wanted to read a few chapters of, or even get a few Ooh. scenes of the screenplay, there, there's just a wealth of information. When people go to the YouTube channel, I've created a sort of 20 minute pre-visualization of the screenplay version. Give people an idea of like, ooh, is this what this world's going to be like? How interesting these characters could go so many ways. And, you know, like a lot of people, they've said, oh, we really like your bad guy, Matthew. And I'm like, I know, right? He's, he's a good one, huh? Nitrosite. So... Well, thank you so much, Matthew. And I hope that you will join us again in the future and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you.
If you find the Corporatainment Podcast valuable, there are a few ways you can help support us. You can leave a review with your podcast app, subscribe to the channel, or share our podcast on social media with your friends. My goal is to eventually use this podcast as a launch pad to creating movies and music. It would be so cool to have you along during that journey. If you like our content and want to help it grow professionally, please consider becoming a regular supporter on Patreon at patreon.com slash Your financial donations will help to make this dream possible. On our Patreon page, we offer early episodes, list your name on our YouTube episodes, and more. To all of you who have shared, left a comment, and subscribed to our Patreon, thank you so much. And to all of you listening now, thank you for joining, and we'll see you all on the next episode.